Welcome to the latest Edgar Rice Burroughs mini-podcast. These short podcasts are meant to support the full-length episodes that I do along with Jess Terrell and Scott Stewart, in which we usually discuss one of Edgar Rice Burroughs' works in detail. Currently, we're using the mini-podcast to do a chapter-by-chapter analysis of the 1912 novel Tarzan of the Apes. Today, we're going to be looking at Chapter 14, very appropriately titled At the Mercy of the Jungle. Now, please note that I will be including spoilers both for this novel and possibly for other novels in the series. And I would also recommend that you reread this chapter before listening, because I'm going to be working on the assumption that you're familiar with it as I talk about it. Now, my name is Tim DeForest. I'm the author of several books on pre-digital pop culture, uh, things such as pulp magazines and old-time radio and newspaper comic strips. And I keep a blog about such, such subjects at comics, old-time radio, and other cool stuff. Now, with this chapter, chapter 14, the novel takes off full speed as a pure jungle adventure story. There are two areas of action. The first is in the jungle, where Tarzan saves Cecil's life twice. And I believe this is the first time we see Tarzan kill a lion by jumping on its back and using his knife. Here it's described as a very dangerous tactic, with Tarzan killing the lion only moments before it can get its claws into him. In later novels, killing lions in hand-to-hand combat will be a pretty common event in Tarzan's life. In terms of action, the battle is fantastic really showing off Burroughs' ability to make his action scenes truly exciting. In character terms, I enjoy the quite logical confusion both Tarzan and Cecil take from the situation. Tarzan honestly can't understand how someone can be lost or uncertain of what to do in the jungle. He has no real knowledge of the world outside the jungle and can't quite get why Cecil seems so helpless. From Cecil's point of view, I like how he at first reasonably assumes that Tarzan is the person who left the note at the cabin signed Tarzan of the Apes. He's right, of course, but when he realizes Tarzan doesn't speak English, he quite reasonably assumes that this must be a a different person. And he's wrong, of course, but that someone can write English without understanding spoken English is something that doesn't occur to him. Uh, Not... and. We wouldn't expect him to think this. Tarzan's situation is simply too unusual. Now, in the previous chapter, Cecil was portrayed as brave and capable. Burroughs strikes a nice balance here with him. We still have no reason to doubt that he has courage and brains, but he's simply out of his element in the jungle. It's as outside his experience as civilization would be outside Tarzan's experience. Thus, he gets lost, doesn't realize at first that Tarzan is indeed taking him back to the cabin, and incorrectly assumes he must be a prisoner. But Burroughs has presented the situation in Cecil's character well, so we don't think less of him because of this. Now, the rest of the chapter returns to Jane and Esmeralda, who are barricaded in the cabin. Once again, Burroughs does a superb job of building tension as the lioness seeks a way to get into the cabin. We get a confirmation of Jane's bravery as she keeps her head and also takes a shot at the lioness. Even though she does faint at the end, she is done pretty well. It is too bad here that Esmeralda Esmeralda is going to be portrayed as such a racial stereotype to generate humor in later chapters. Here, had she as an individual and not as a black person been someone out of her depth and prone to panic, then the image of her scampering across the floor on all fours and trying to jam herself into a cabinet might have been pretty funny. So, as we saw in the previous chapter, 
Burroughs describes the action in both an exciting manner and in a way that allows us to get an increasingly good grasp on the characters of Jane Porter and Cecil Clayton. Now, we don't see anything of Professor Porter or Mr. Philander this time, and in fact, we won't get back to them until Chapter 16. This brings us to the halfway point in the novel. Tarzan's world is beginning to change, and we'll see both in this novel and, its, and in the immediate sequel that he's been changing as well. But an essential, essential part of him will always be the primordial jungle-born ape-man we see now. Now that's it for this time. Once again, my name is Tim DeForest. Please, please visit my blog at Comics, Old Time Radio, and other cool stuff. And you can find the link to my Amazon.com author page there. If you're enjoying our podcast, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, as we understand this does uh, uh, get us more listeners, which is always nice. And keep an ear out for the full-length podcast that I do with Scott and Jess. Thank you for listening.